What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. I'm your host, Matt. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And on today's podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest, former Colgate women's hockey player, Brianne Wilson-Bennett, joins the show. However, before we get to her interview, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow our social media accounts on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at College Hockey Talk. Also follow our Spotify page and subscribe to our Apple Podcast page and leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps our podcast grow, helps new people find us, and I would really appreciate it if you did those things. It means a lot to me. I had a great conversation with Brianne Wilson-Bennett as we talk about her college hockey experience with Colgate, her current experience with the Toronto Six and the NWHL, and we have some fun in the non-hockey segment as well. So without further ado, here's the interview with Brianne. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by former Colgate women's hockey player, Brianne Wilson-Bennett. Welcome to the podcast, Brianne, and thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Well, how's everything going? I know you were telling me before that you're in your quarantine, so I guess how's that been like? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely pretty quiet. Can't really leave the house besides the backyard, really, and uh, got the chance to shoot some pucks outside a little bit for some fresh air, but uh, pretty quiet and, uh, I mean, disappointing coming off our loss there in Boston. We had high hopes, and we had done so well and um, improved so much in our couple games there in Lake Placid we had some high hopes going into the hope hopeful two games in Boston but we came up a little short but there's always next year so we're looking ahead that's good to hear and I guess like how you try to stay busy uh, during being in quarantine for two straight weeks I don't know if I can handle it yeah it's, it's tough I mean a lot of Netflix I mean you're not supposed to go outside but you you, you kind of got to go for a walk around the block here or there um but besides that, it's it's super quiet, not a whole lot going on. But I guess everyone's kind of in the same boat with this this shutdown here in Ontario. So, I mean, not too much FOMO because of that, but it is it is tough staying busy and staying motivated and stuff like that. But eh, we do what we can. I think everyone's kind of trying to keep that positive outlook. It's It's tough right now, but everyone's doing what they can. Yeah, and uh, what shows on Netflix are you trying to watch to pass the time, I guess? Um, what did I just finish? I've, I've actually watched a couple movies lately um, to stay busy, but um, I think I've watched like every series on Netflix that there is. Um, I'm big into like kind of murder mysteries. So, and like the, the cop shows, I, I just finished Blacklist actually. So that one was super exciting. I loved that show. Um, the following was really good. Kind of, kind of darker. Shows, yeah. I hate to admit it, but those are the kind of ones I, I'm a big fan of. Well, I recently watched this documentary called The Night Stalker, and it's about some guy in the California in like the 1980s. It's pretty, pretty scary documentary actually. But that was pretty interesting to see how they caught him, though. Yeah, I, I actually watched that one too, and he, uh, I it was, it was people in the public that kind of beat up mm-hmm. on him. So that one, that one was the end was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, no, it makes you, though, like, realize, like, how you have to lock your doors, though, at night, especially, like, because back then they didn't do that that often, which is crazy to think about now. Yeah, I couldn't imagine leaving it wide open for mm-hmm. God knows who to come in, but times have changed for sure. 
Definitely, definitely. Well, I don't really have any too much Netflix recommendations for you. Um, I just watched NHL and other other hockey events, but I know Big Time Rush is on Netflix, so I think that's something you can watch as well. Ooh, I might have to give that one a go. I haven't watched that one. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess besides hockey and training, what else have you been doing this past year uh, uh, since the pandemic started? Um, I've still been at work. Uh, I'm actually a special education assistant um, for the school board, so I work with uh, mostly children on the autism spectrum. Um, so I've been keeping busy with that. And um, I mean, seeing some friends socially distance, of course, um, and just trying to get outside as much as I can. I mean, that mental part of it is super important to, to get outside and not kind of get lazy and hang around the house too much time to think. So lots of walks. I bought a bike, which has been the best purchase ever. Last summer, I was out every day just around the trails around my house and just getting to explore the area like I had never have before and so that was a way to keep me active and get me out of the house and so that was that's been that was fun and I've just started with the weather getting nicer to get back out there and obviously rollerblading and just trying to stay active and in other ways besides training of course you don't want to burn out too much time in the gym or too much time on the ice We'll do that to you. So just trying to switch it up in the ways I keep active. So, yeah. Well, I kind of want to start transition a little bit and talk about the hockey side of your life. So you currently play for the Toronto Six and the NWHL. Uh, what's it like being a female professional athlete, especially during the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, after my year in Sweden, I wasn't sure I would continue to play hockey anymore. I did suffer a concussion over there and kind of – my health was coming first. So I kind of put hockey on the back burner and um, just the way the cookie crumbled, uh, the right people kind of reached out and it made sense. Digit Murphy is quite the character and she had a lot of sway in my decisions. She was super positive, super excited about this season and to be able to play back at home again was, it was just super exciting was something I couldn't turn down um and then obviously unfortunately the pandemic happened and I wasn't going to be able to play in front of my family and my friends and stuff like that but I think it kind of just getting back on the ice with this group of women um with the same goal in mind kind of renewed my love for the game which I'm I'm so thankful for um I think I kind of lost sight of that love of the game and why I started playing in the first place so I have the six to thank for that um and I mean to have a pro team in Toronto is super exciting and I think uh I mean I coach a youth team um just a bantam girls team in Durham um over here and just the excitement that they all had kind of gave me the kick to to do it and to play for the team they were just all so excited and just that bright look on their faces when they knew that there was this, this league they could potentially play in one day and hopefully it grows and they can make a living off of it one day and they can focus on just being hockey players um, would be so amazing. And just the way the direction it is going is, is so exciting to me. I mean, it's such a bright future for the league and I'm so excited that I was a part of the first year for the six. Yeah, definitely. I heard they're expanding to Montreal. Is that in the works, I guess? Because I've been hearing reports about that. I've heard rumors. I don't know if it's confirmed, um, but there's definitely rumblings amongst oh, yeah. us. 
Wonder... Toronto and Montreal. Yeah, Montreal would be so cool. I know the CWHL had a team out there, and such so unfortunate that it it folded, and that there's this thing between the PWHPA and the NWHL. It's just, I mean, hopefully one day there will be one awesome league that everyone can play in. And I mean, it's just, I guess there doesn't have to just be one league. There's a million leagues that men can play in. So there's, why not for women as well? Um, But it'd be very cool to have another Canadian team in the league. It's just another opportunity for more women to, to keep playing after college. Because I mean, when I graduated from school, I didn't really have any idea that there was an option for me to continue my career. Um, so when I got to play in Sweden and then again in Toronto, it was just so awesome to keep playing the game I love. Yeah, and you recently participated in the NWHL's Lake Placid bubble, and then you went to Boston to play a semifinal game. Just talk about that whole experience and what did you take away from it? Yeah, I mean – I had some skepticism going into the season. I was wondering about the competition because there were always girls chit-chatting and stuff in the locker room. And so I I really wasn't sure. And then I stepped on the ice with my team and I was so pleasantly surprised that it was so competitive, just as competitive, if not more than the NCAA and the league over in Sweden. Um, So going into the bubble, I was just, excited to play some good hockey and I opened some people's eyes. Um, I mean, women's hockey doesn't have a great reputation. I mean, not that any women's sports does. I don't think it gets the recognition that it deserves. Um, so to have this on NBC and live television and a network like NBC was just so cool for, for me to be a part of. And to help grow the game like that. Um, and obviously just to kind of grow with a new team um, and be a part of what we hope to be a championship team um, was awesome. And just to go through that grind again, I just love to be a part of a team like that. And that growth and uncomfortability at times is just, it's super exciting. Um, and then we started to roll in Lake Placid. I mean, our first game wasn't very good um we weren't happy with our performance but then the next one we got better things started to flow and then the next game we were just rolling things we just I was so excited to see our growth over the course of two three games and then unfortunately having to get shut down was a huge disappointment um but I mean based on the circumstances there were no other alternatives um and then such high hopes and then just kind of coming out flat. Um, it was tough based on the rules in Ontario, especially Toronto lockdown rules. We weren't allowed to as much and not as many people on the ice. So it was, it was hard after um, the week in Lake Placid to, to kind of stay in shape and stay in game mode and keep that momentum that we had in Lake Placid to keep it going into Boston was really hard. And, Boston just rolled over us like it was it wasn't even close so I mean we're building on it and Boston's an awesome team and they have some great players and I mean we beat them in Lake Placid so we know we have what it takes with with our group but um, hopefully 
restrictions start to loosen and we can get back into shape, get postseason workouts going and stuff like that. But um, fingers crossed that happens. I don't know the way things are going right now. It doesn't look like that. But um, again, got to stay positive. And it's such an awesome group of group of girls. So we're, we're just looking to the future now. Yeah, did you guys feel like you had a disadvantage because of your preparation? Because I talked to Elaine Shuley a few months ago, and they were saying like how – or she was saying like how you guys had to split up in two different groups. The American uh, players had to train in one area, and the Canadian players had to train in another area. And then you guys finally like practiced as a full team in like two weeks before the season started. Did you guys feel like you had any disadvantage because of that? Um, I mean, I don't want to make any excuses. Um, but obviously I think – especially where we're a brand new team. Nobody had played with each other. Um, I mean, I had a few teammates from back in junior hockey. So years ago. Um, so just to kind of get that chemistry and find the right line combinations and power play and penalty kill units, it was hard. I mean, we had, I think eight players and two coaches on the ice for the majority of our practices. Um, and then we'd switch players to work with the other set of coaches and, um, Obviously, staff changes throughout the year. Um, we had a, another coach with us on board at the beginning, Gary Soper, and then he couldn't make it to the bubble, so we needed to bring in new coaches. And it was just, I mean, a logistical mess. Um, but we ended up coming together and figuring it out, and we just we had to overcome that adversity, and it was just part of our story, and we we made the most of it. And um, do I think it affected our performance? Yeah, probably. Um, and just getting those hockey lungs back and in game shape, it's it's hard to get that flow when there's only eight people on the ice. You can't get as many reps in. You can't get that flow going. You can't do full ice stuff when there's two defensemen on the ice at once. So it was, it was definitely a big challenge for us. But um, I don't know. I think also it did bring us closer together. We kind of had to overcome that adversity together and it was it was definitely a different experience and um we're just excited to have now i want to transition from your pro hockey career to your college hockey career so you're from markham uh ontario what was it like growing up there and how'd you start playing hockey yeah i mean obviously canada hockey is the sport to play um but my mom was a single mom and she had never played hockey a day in her life. And it just so happened our, our neighbor, he was a goalie and we were, me and my brother and friends enter his dad put in the backyard. Um, and I used all his hand-me-down equipment that was like five sizes too big for me. Um, but they could not get me off of the ice. They, my mom could not get me in for dinner. I was always playing street hockey. I just, for whatever reason, I, I loved it so much. And then um, my mom put me in Timbits or whatever, what house league when I was four. And I'll never forget, she, she had no idea how to get me dressed. So it was like my elbow pads were on the outside of my jersey. My shin pads were on the outside of my socks. Um, so despite all that my mom stuck with it and I stuck with it and I I just fell in love with it and I I played boys for the majority of my youth up until ninth grade um I played with the boys so I played triple a with the Markham Waxers and I was also a competitive baseball player so 
I was like best friends with the boys on my baseball team and hockey team. We all played both sports together. So we were just like a, a family growing up with all those, those boys. It was, it was a blast. And then obviously they just got too big and strong. So I, I moved over to the women's side and um, played midget on for the Toronto arrows and then just progressed up. I started playing with the junior team. I played um, team Ontario red, and then I actually made the, um, U18 national team and we won a gold in Budapest for the 2014 um, IIHF championships which was so much fun so cool um, and then I got recruited um, while I was with the Arrows to several different colleges and I just I visited all of them any school you could imagine I, I went and saw campus so Colgate for whatever reason it just felt right that family atmosphere um, absolutely beautiful campus. Um, I think it was like number one ranked most beautiful campus in, in America. So, um, not to toot its horn, but <laughs> it is a beautiful place. And, um, they didn't have the best record. They, I think they were in last place when I was recruited and, um, the coach just said, you're going to be part of something big. We want a culture change. Um, and it just, it felt right. I wanted to kind of be a big fish in a little pond. Um, and that's kind of what happened. My, my class was kind of the class to, to change the culture. Um, we started out with a seven win season and my, my freshman year, it was, it was ugly. Um, made it tough to come to the rink sometimes and, and stay up for, for games and stay motivated when you know you're kind of come into the rink for a loss it, it was tough but it was a growing experience a learning experience and then by my senior year we were in the national title game against Clarkson so we had a lot of growth a huge shift in culture um, and I'm so proud that I can say I was a part of that yeah definitely did you have like a favorite player growing up like in the NHL or a women's hockey player my favorite player male player was um, Mike Medano I had his autograph picture on my wall there. Um, I don't know. He was just such a hard worker and the speed of his game was just unrivaled. Like he was my favorite player hands down. And then um, I don't think the women's game was highlighted enough when I was growing up. I didn't know. Obviously I had dreams of going to the Olympics and I knew the Olympics was an option for me, but as a, a little kid, I always thought, yeah, I'm going to be the first woman to woman to play in the NHL. Like I just, I, I don't know. I had big dreams. And then obviously, obviously that can't happen. Um, but I think Jillian Apps, I actually got the chance to meet her. Um, she went to Dartmouth and it actually was my, I did a speech in elementary school on women's hockey and trying to bring awareness to the game. And, um, my teacher at school happened to be next door neighbors with the apps family. So she put us in contact and I got to meet her and she signed a bunch of autographs. And then I, I started to follow the women's game and I, she was like my idol. I loved her and I loved Mike Medano. They were my all time favorites. They still are. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I didn't really get the chance to watch Mike Medano play. Cause I think he retired like in 2009, like, way before I started watching hockey, but it was just cool. It was cool because I think he was one of the best American players and really helped Amer growth for hockey, at least here in America, which was cool to see. 
And I don't really know much about Jillian Apps, but I know she was a good college hockey player and obviously won a gold medal with Team Canada. So it's cool to see that as well. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Medan. I think he's the all-time points leader for American-born players. So I, don't, I figured what year he was inducted to the Hall of Fame, but I watch his Hall of Fame speech all the time. I'm, I'm definitely a super fan. Yeah, definitely. I think. I, do you think Patrick Kane will break his record soon? Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you, you were talking about how you went to Budapest and won a medal for your country in Team Canada. Just talk about that experience. What was that like? And the only thing I know about Budapest is the song, but what's the city <laughs> like as well? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely playing for my country was a humbling experience, and I was so proud to be a part of it. But then again, you're with the best players in the country and American and Canadian teams are always the best in the world. So the best players of my age in the world, I'm competing with them for ice time. And, um, I don't, I didn't get much playing time. Um, so it was definitely a tough experience as much as it was such an, a moment of pride. It was definitely a hard time for me as well, sitting on the bench and having my family pay all this kind of money to, go over to Europe and watch me play. And I had, I sat on the bench for the most part. And obviously as a player, you think you should be playing. And um, it's certainly a hard, uh, it was a hard moment for me as well um, at 17 years old, going through that and um, trying to stay positive on the bench there. Um, But when, obviously when, when the team wins, that's what matters. And so I got, my ring looks the same as everyone else's. So um, not my, not my favorite experience in the world, but definitely one of my most proud moments. Um, so it's a weird dynamic. I mean, the winning that medal was worth it, but, um, definitely a hit to the confidence when you don't play. Um, but the city was beautiful. We didn't get too much time to, um, explore, but I would love to go back and see the city. It was, it was gorgeous. And the people are wonderful over there they were so friendly um so definitely on my bucket list to go back there for sure and then you played in the pwhl like you just mentioned how did that experience uh help prepare you for college hockey because i know a lot of players in your class played in the pwhl yeah um i think that's the place to be um as a young female hockey player it's the best competition um and i just had a an awesome time i had a great group i was on a a winning team so that's always fun and um I was the captain of my team so it was obviously an awesome experience my junior hockey career was was phenomenal I I loved every second of it I had great coaches um they still coach to this day and um I actually get to coach with them now so it's it's come full circle um and yeah my it's just the best players I think come from Ontario um and to get to compete against all those players every weekend is, is exciting. And then you get to see them again in college and, and those rivalries continue. So it was, it was a blast playing in the P-Dub. Yeah. And um, I want to ask you another question, Uh, I guess, like what was the biggest adjustment you had to make to college hockey? Was it the speed of the game or was it just the mental side of the game since you're making quicker decisions with the puck? Um, I think for me, it was, um, getting bumped off the puck. I had never really 
worked out like the girls do in, in the NCAA. Um, and so that was kind of a rude awakening, just how strong girls were and how strong their shots were and how powerful they were. So I think I was always a, a fast player. So the speed wasn't a huge adjustment. It was just in the corners, um, getting bumped off the pucks that I needed to, to work on. And um, I think I, I adjusted pretty quick um, to the college game. Um, so, it, it, I mean, obviously a learning experience, balancing the school stuff as well. I think that was one of my biggest challenges too, was um, the time management that it, it, it took to be a college athlete. And at a school like Colgate too, it's very difficult um, school wise. So I had a, I had a big adjustment and a, it was a rude awakening for sure. Um, just to try and work, um, and work hard on both aspects. We need to figure out quick. Yeah. And, uh, you also play track and field, uh, in college as well. I find this interesting. How'd you like, uh, balance both uh, sports in college because I've never met someone that's played two sports at least in the collegiate level I think like the one person I know who did it was Kyler Murray and he's obviously like a famous NFL player uh, yeah I mean um, I didn't do track and field till my senior year um, I did it all through high school and I was I'm actually a better baseball player than I am at any other sport I played on the national women's team um, and my coach just wanted me to get a faster arm so it was either the weight club in high school or the throwing club. Um, so I joined the throwing team instead of the weight club. I didn't want to be the only girl in the weight club. Um, so I joined the throwing team and just, I picked up on the javelin like so fast and I won the nationals. I won the provincials and in, in javelin. So um, I knew I could compete at the college level and I would have loved to do it all four years, but my hockey coach, I was on obviously on scholarship. So he, he said, no, not until senior year. Um, and I mean, that was a grind. Um, there wasn't much overlap, um, but everyone always talks about their senior spring being the best time of their life. And uh, I mean, being in season all year round, I didn't really get the chance um, to have that social part of it, um, which was kind of, a, it was a grind to get through. I won't, I won't lie. And, um, being out of javelin for so long, um, it's all about technique. And I obviously lost that technique. So I didn't perform as well as I'd hoped. I did all right. I, I won a couple meets, but, um, it was, it was so much fun to just meet people from the school that I'd really never interacted with before. And it, it was such a, a different team dynamic that, um, I really enjoyed it and I made a bunch of new friends and um, yeah, it was a blast to get to experience like a summer sport and a, a winter sport there. And um, I'm so glad that I, I did both. Um, it's track and field is, is so much fun. Like you get to appreciate so many different talents. Like there's shot put and then there's a hundred meter dash, which is athletes that are two very different, two very different talent pools, uh, very different body types, different skill sets. So it, it was so much fun. I, I love track and field and I'll always, I'll always have a love for it and I'll watch it as much as, as I can. Now you were saying in your freshman year with Colgate, your team struggled a lot. I just talk about that year. What'd you take away from it? And what was your mindset heading into your next three years in college? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely knew going into that season that it would it would probably be a tough go. Um, he was rebuilding for sure, um, but it was it was definitely the the culture that changed moving forward. We had um, we were mostly a social team in my freshman year. It was um, a lot of partying and having fun, um, and there wasn't from the upperclassmen as a serious take on the hockey part. Um, but I think with my class, we were, um, we were different in that sense. And we took it really seriously, um, and helped that culture change. Um, but again, you need a whole team to be on board to win. Um, so we didn't see those wins start to come together until third, my third year, we started to kind of break school records for our team, like club records. And, um, then we started to see the light and saw all our hard work coming together and paying off. Um, it was definitely a fun time and we created great team chemistry in my first two years. I, I do think that was part of our process, part of our story. We needed that, um, being uncomfortable, um, and learning and growing together. I think we needed to overcome that adversity to become the team that we, we would become a couple years later. Um, and of course I, I love each and every one of my teammates. We, we grew together. We had so much fun together as a team. I think that social part together is so important too. So we had a good balance. We got kind of, we got two years in our old rink with kind of two years of fun and then two years of the new rink, two years of an absolute grind. So I got the best of both worlds in my college experience. So I'm, I'm so happy I chose Colgate. Not but it's the best school. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you really saw that turn, at least from your program, in the later part of your sophomore year when you got your first playoff win beating Harvard in a series. I guess, like, what did you learn from that series and just talk about uh, being a good team like that and how did that help you guys move forward into your upperclassmen years? Yeah, I think we needed something, something positive to happen. Um, and we needed that to come in the form of an actual result. Like good things can happen on the ice, but you can still lose. You can have an awesome game and still lose. So I think that win against Harvard is what we needed to inspire us to keep going. It was, it was the reward we needed. Um, so that was such a, a fun game too. I remember, um, obviously we were such a huge underdog and I don't know if it was overtime, but I think it was the last game in star rink and there was just so much hype around this game and Shay Labby, Jesse Eldridge, tic-tac-toe top shelf, just so fun. Like I remember it like it was yesterday. It was one of the highlights of my college career. Um, that was an amazing finish um, to star rink. Um, it was just like a tying the bow on that historical moment. It was, it was so fun to be a part of and just the fans at Colgate, the atmosphere, everyone loves coming to watch the women's hockey. It was, it was so fun. So um, definitely a great way um, to start our junior year with that high. Yeah. And I guess like what leadership did you want to bring your junior and senior year? And were you more of a vocal or lead by example type of player? Um, 
I think I'm more of a, a lead by example uh, type of player. I, I love to work hard. I always want to be the hardest worker in the room on the ice, wherever it is. Um, but then I think when I started to gain the confidence um, and obviously the right to be a leader, um, I started to be more vocal and um, be more supportive of my teammates and use my voice in the locker room and on the bench. Um, but I definitely still think I, I'm a lead by example type of player. I think if you ask my teammates, they'll, they'll say the same thing. I'm not super loud. Um, and I think we had all kinds of leadership. Um, we had the raw, raw cheerleaders, and then we had girls like myself who were more quiet. Um, and then we had girls who maybe played a shift, but were still the most positive and best teammates in the world. And we had, we just had the right group of people. I think the coaches did a phenomenal job recruiting every piece of the puzzle. They didn't recruit superstars, um, like Daryl Watts, who has a million points. Like they just recruited the right people to do it. Um, and we just, we all fit together. We all had this common goal in mind and it just, it worked. We had the right leadership. We had the right coaching staff. We just had everything right. Was there any point during that senior year where you realized your team was like capable of going to the national championship game? Um, to be honest, I think it, it, it was a moment before the season even started. I remember it was like, it was yesterday. There was a team retreat. We do it every year. Um, kind of up in the middle of nowhere Adirondack mountains we get some cabins and um usually have like a guest speaker join us for three or four days and um this guy had strange methods of inspiring us and um strange team bonding but it, it brought us closer and um we just kind of had an aha moment he kind of brought us in and was like you guys can do this and I think we all just at the same time looked up at each other and I think our coach was crying <laughs> we were like we can do this like he had a strange way of connecting us all and we all knew in that moment we're like this is the year we're gonna do it and he was right and he stayed with us for the, the whole year and it just worked that team bonding that aha moment where we were just kind of looked at each other and like, yeah, why not us? Why not Colgate? We've worked so hard for these four years. And um, I think Fargo knew as well, like this was our year to do it. Like he had worked so hard recruiting all these players and it was just the right moment for us. Yeah. And talk about the ECAC tournament that year because your team lost in the final of that uh, league championship game. I guess like, what did you take away from that game and how did you do that game heading into the national tournament of that year? Um, I mean, we had battled it out with Clarkson. Like, they were our biggest rivals. So as much as we want to say Cornell's our biggest rival because they're down the road, um, Clarkson was by far our biggest rival. Um, I mean, I think we exchanged wins, overtime wins. So we knew it was going to be a battle. I think we knew no matter what happened in the East AC, obviously you want to win that game, but we're like the real battle is going to come. Um, that wasn't our mentality going into that game. Obviously we wanted to win. Um, but we did have a, a battle on our hands with Cornell the day before. I think we let them back from five to one or something like that and just beat them with one second left. Um, so I think that was 
uh, an uncomfortable moment for us going into that Clarkson game. We had just come off that kind of nerve wracking win against Cornell. Um, so I think we were gripping our sticks a little tight for that ECAC final game. Um, but I think regardless of that win, we knew um, it didn't really, it, that wasn't a, a tell all for our, our, the season we had, we knew, we knew we were going to the frozen four. Like we just knew it. Um, and that game, we kind of just, we brushed it off. Obviously we were upset that we lost it. It's, it's a big deal to win the ECAC, but we had bigger fish to fry and we were, we were looking ahead the whole time. Do you think that's like a negative to look ahead though, when you're like playing in that game, just because like it does affect you a little bit in that final. Oh no, for sure. I, I don't think that was our mentality before that game. I think we were, we were ready to go and anytime we get, we suited up, we were there to win. Um, that was our thing was stay in the moment every shift don't take it for granted. And I, our motto that year was play to play. Um, so any shift could be your last shift. You don't know what the outcome is going to be in the end. You just know you want to get that next shift in. You want to keep playing as long as you can. So that was, that was our motto. We always just, we played the game and we had fun doing it. But when we lost that game, we were of course upset, but we were looking ahead still. And we knew we were going to meet, Clarkson again so we knew it wasn't the end after that one yeah let's talk a little bit about that tournament so the first game you played the incoming Northeastern Huskies and I think looking at it now that game was kind of like what helped them I guess become the great program they are today I guess like what challenges did they bring that year and how what do you remember from that game overall um I don't even know if we really did a pre-scout on Northeastern obviously we we did a little bit but um we were so focused on ourselves um, because we had had so much success just being us and playing to our strengths and just being Colgate women's ice hockey. Um, that was kind of our mentality going in. And it's a, you win and you go on. Like that was it. We knew that. And we just wanted to keep playing because we loved each other so much as a team. We, we just wanted to stay together as long as we could. And that's, I think we're not out of fear, but, fear of missing each other and fear of it all being over was what was kind of motivating us. We, we never wanted it to be over. And so I don't even really remember the Northeastern game. I know it was, it was so exciting to see the boards all done up at, at Colgate and have so many fans in the stands, but that game is kind of a blur to me. I don't, I don't remember that one a whole lot. I know after the game though, their captain, I, I've been, good friends with her for many years Ainsley McMillan she just after the game she's like you guys need to win this like go get it and that kind of stuck with me um so that was that was a moment a highlight for me from that game yeah no it's 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 weird thinking about how there was fans in those tournament games because thinking about it from recently it's it was weird not seeing any fans there and it kind of like it felt like something was missing from those tournament games at least from my perspective yeah I mean the fans bring such a huge energy um and they obviously had been with us during the tough times too. So I feel like they were on the journey with us as well. We had some serious fans that, that stuck with us. And um, just to actually be able to win and, and celebrate that with them was so much fun too. So they were a huge part of it. And yeah, now it's like so quiet in the stadiums and stuff. It's strange. 
Yeah, at least in hockey. I feel like I was watching some baseball games, and some of those stadiums are, like, pretty packed uh, for a pandemic. So I guess, like, I don't know if it's, like, a hockey thing because most of the schools are – our teams are up north. But it was just crazy to see that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Now uh, you played Wisconsin in the semifinals. To this day, it's one of the best uh, hockey games I've ever seen. It was great back-and-forth battle. Uh, what was it like beating them in overtime and moving on to the national championship game, especially since they had a lot of good players on that team and they obviously eventually won the national championship the year after you guys beat them? Yeah, that was by far my favorite moment in my entire career. Um, highlight of my life. I mean, I had a back injury. I could barely walk before that game. And then somehow our trainer got me ready to go. And I I had the best game of my life. I mean, I had my first hat trick, collegiate hat, um, an assist. And then, so four point game. And then the overtime winner, I was on cloud nine and it was the most exciting moment. And we, we were just all so happy like that we got to play on March 18th. Like that was our motto 318. We want to be playing that day. And we somehow pulled it off. I mean, Wisconsin was by far the better team. Um, they, I think doubled our shots. Like they, they were an amazing team and somehow we battled through it and it just worked in our favor. We had some lucky bounces and the stars aligned for us on that night. And it was such a fun atmosphere to play in. We had our little fan section and we got to celebrate with them afterwards. And as soon as that puck went in the net, it wasn't even an excitement that we had moved on just in that moment. It was like, thank God this game's over. It was like 1230 in the morning. Like we were exhausted. We're almost going to play till one in the morning. It was, I don't know, it was double, triple overtime, but it was late and we were all so exhausted trying to eat in between overtime periods and try and stay up. And we, we managed to pull it off and it was just a moment of kind of relief as soon as that puck went in and just to be able to celebrate with each other was so much fun. I'll never forget that game. Especially since the first game went to overtime as well. So you guys had to wait a little bit longer to start your first game in the semifinals compared to like mm-hmm. if you go to overtime. Yeah. I think it was Ohio state mm-hmm. versus Clarkson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was an exciting one too. I think Ohio might have had a goal or two called back. So that I remember that too, being so anxious, ready to go, and then them keep playing. And that was an exciting tournament. I think mm-hmm. it was a great show for women's collegiate hockey. Yeah, I'm always a fan. I like playing the first game in a semifinal like tournament like that, just because you can just get the game out of the way versus waiting for the second game. That's just my opinion. Is that something you felt when you were in that moment? um yeah I mean you kind of always want to know like who's moving on you just you want to get it over with first to kind of know what the plan is moving forward um but I think that nervous energy that we all had for so long did us well um Mm -hmm. we were all so nervous and you could feel that anxious energy and I think it actually worked in our favor this time (laughs) Mm -hmm. what was your phone like after that overtime game like how many messages did you have yeah, I had a bunch. I, I mean, so many people from back home were watching that game. Um, and just to have the performance that I did, um, uh, it 
it, I had a ton of messages <laughs> and so many people like tagging in the tweet that the NCAA or Colgate put out, like, and getting to rewatch it so many times was, I mean, it was, it was, it was a proud moment to, to do that for Colgate. Yeah, no, it's that famous photo of you, like, in the uh, finals, just like, yeah, like that goal. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen it before, but that's, that's an iconic photo right there. Yeah. It was a blast to be a part of. Now, what's the, the whole Frozen Four experience like on and off the ice? Because they obviously it's a pretty cool atmosphere with the pep bands, the fans, the red carpet experience. What was it like being a player in the atmosphere? Because I went to a Frozen Four. It was the men's tournament in 2015. It was really cool just being a fan. I'm assuming as a player, it's probably much, much fun experience to be a part of. And it was weird not having that kind of atmosphere in this year's tournament versus the previous ones. Yeah, I definitely feel for the players who are a part of it now because – just that fan interaction and even like the, the gala you have before the, the awards and the guest speaker, like it's, it's so much fun. Um, having that, like even red carpet, you get to go on the seating for you, your picture taken, you feel like a celebrity. Like it was so cool off the ice. Um, I've never experienced something like that before. Um, you just, yeah, you feel like, the real deal you feel like a celebrity and um they treat you like a real pro so um i was super happy with my frozen four experience and i mean for us it was the first time colgate's ever been there um so definitely so much pride like we were all beaming we uh, but i mean as much as we didn't want to see ourselves as the underdog like we were ha just happy to be there and we we weren't gonna just take a loss and just lay down and take being there as, as a prize. Uh, but we were so, so thankful for the experience. And I think we knew that it would bring Colgate to higher prestige in the eyes of new recruits and stuff like that. And just, we knew that moving forward, this was a huge thing for Colgate. Now, uh, you lost to Clarkson in the final. I guess, like, what emotions were you feeling after that game, uh, losing the championship game? But also, since it was your final college hockey game as well, I guess, like, what was going through your mind after Jagir got that breakaway goal? Yeah, it, I think we – you could hear all of our hearts break. Like, we just put our heads down. We saw her – the puck got, got turned over um, in the neutral zone, and she went in, and we just knew she's such a talented player, and – um, obviously we had hoped Julia would come through miracle and stop her, but we all kind of knew I just closed my eyes and waited for it. And, um, obviously it was heartbreaking and there were some tears, lots of tears. Um, and I remember my brother was taking some pictures and he just looked at me like, oh, sorry. And I looked at him and I just shook my head. Like, this is <laughs> the most terrible thing in the world that could happen. But to get that ring would have been so much. So it would have meant so much to Colgate for us to, to get that ring and to all of us to have our, all of our hard work um, pay off. But I mean, when it comes down to a, a lucky bounce in overtime, I really don't know who the better team is. I mean, um, if it comes down to a lucky bounce, it, it is hard to say. Um, Cause we were so back and forth all year. Um, but it definitely still stings to this day. Like three years later, I like, <laughs> that sucked. 
sucks mm -hmm. <laughs> to look at my silver trophy, not gold, have no ring. It definitely sucks. It stings. Um, but then you realize you have lifetime friends. You have all these amazing memories to cherish. Um, that, that really doesn't matter when all is said and done. We had, we still had each other and we we're still the best of friends. We were a family and we still celebrated as if we had won. So I wouldn't change my experience for the world. Yeah. And I guess like, have you gone back to Colgate since uh, graduating and what's your thoughts on the team now? Cause they did make it back to the tournament uh, this year. Yeah. Um, I think I went back for homecoming. Um, the year after I haven't been back a ton, obviously with this COVID stuff. Um, and now after this year, I, I don't really have any connections to the team. Like my freshmen are now graduating. Um, so it's definitely different. Um, but it would be cool to, to chat with the new players and just kind of see what their culture's like, their dynamic. And um, obviously I'm such a, a proud alumni. I watched them play. Um, all their playoffs, I've watched their games, and it was a heartbreaking loss. It was almost like us losing all over again um, to see them lose. Um, so, it, I mean, I guess still, like, it, it feels like I'm still part of the team. Um, Fargo does a great job keeping us all in touch and keeping us up to date with what the team's up to and, and stuff like that. So, um, I, I'm so proud of them and the season they had and I'm gonna continue to root for them as as long as I'm alive I'll be a a Raider and I, I'm proud to be that and um hopefully they'll get back to the the frozen four and they bring home that to 65 arena but until then I'll be I'll still be watching. I'll visit as soon as I can. I love that place. That place is like a second home to me. Was it weird seeing some of your freshmen graduate, like Kendall Williamson? I know she was a big part of your team. Uh, your fresh, your senior year, and now she's obviously a senior leading the freshmen. Now, is it cool seeing like how you the culture that you built is still translating today? Yeah, it's so cool. Um, I mean, even just to see all of their personal growth. Um, like they came in just like I came in as a scared freshman and not sure of their place and I, it's been so cool to watch them build their own path and and do what they did with the team and continue to be a winning program um definitely a proud moment <laughs> as a proud senior and um I, I'm super close with Perry Donaldson and she was like the heart and soul of our team and um I don't know she got a couple minutes of playing time which was definitely disappointing I wanted to see her kind of make her mark on the ice and she didn't really get that opportunity but uh she was definitely the heart and soul of the, the program for sure like always the best teammate um so yeah definitely a proud seniors of those guys and I'm excited to see what they do um after their their career at Colgate to see what kind of life they they lead after college now I want to ask you about one of your teammates with Colgate, Shelby Perry. What was it? What was she like as a teammate on and off the ice? Because she was one of my uh, favorite players to watch for your team, and we had her on the podcast a few months ago. And great person off the ice as well. Oh wow, yeah. Um, Shelby is like my best friend in the world. Um, we were roommates all four years. Um, we're the best of friends. Me, Shelby, and Meg Sullivan. We we were roomies um, for all four years, and we're like 
three peas in a pod we're we're the best of friends and um shelby's such a great person um on and off the ice um but off the ice the work she does in the the special um needs communities she works um with kids with autism and down syndrome and um i'm just in awe of the work she does and she is just the such a kind warm person uh, I can't say enough good things about Shelby. Um, and she is a, such a talented hockey player, like the hands on her, unbelievable. Um, and just such a smart player. Um, I remember she, she was the one who passed me the puck in overtime um, for that last goal. And um, I just love playing with her. She's so talented and such a, such a great teammate. Mm -hmm. So I can't say good things about her. Now you're saying that how you help coach the Toronto Junior Arrows. I know she coaches the Kingston Junior Ice Wolves. Have you guys had the chance to coach against each other in the PWHL? Um, we haven't. Um, hopefully, in the future, we will, and we'll we'll have a fun rivalry going. Um, I'm with the Bantam team now I'm in Durham, um, but I do coach a lot of the girls um, on the junior team, skills wise. So there is a bit of a, a competitiveness between us there, um, but hopefully in the future we'll, we'll, we'll continue a fun rivalry as coaches, as opposed to being players. Cause there was that rivalry there when, when she played for Kingston and I played for Toronto. Um, it was always a good game against them. So it'll be fun to continue that. Now you also have type one diabetes and you've been open about your, I guess the challenges you face um, having type one diabetes and playing hockey, I guess like elaborate more on some of the challenges you face and how do you deal with it on a day to day basis? Yeah, it was definitely a surprise when I got diagnosed. Um, I was pretty sick in my sophomore year. Um, it's it's all under control now. But um, I guess the biggest the biggest challenge I have with it is um, sometimes how unpredictable it can be. Like I can be in a routine and have everything figured out, so it seems, and then it just does something all on its own, and it. it you have to be your best doctor. Um, so it's like a constant, it's always in the back of my mind. Um, I've started with a new, um, monitoring system called Dexcom. So it's got an alarm. So it's, um, that fear of kind of going low and, and running into that trouble's gone with that alarm. It's, um, such a, a smart device. It's, I'm so thankful I have it because I think for a long time I was definitely, um, living in, in a bit of fear, um, of what, what could happen to me. Cause I know, I know the symptoms and I know it doesn't feel good when you go low. But it can be dead. There's always it, my sleep patterns along for a long time. When I was first diagnosed, I, I was very lethargic trying to, um, get my numbers down because they had been so high. I, I really wasn't well. Um, but then once it was in control, um, I, I felt like anybody else. And I think that's the biggest message I'm trying to convey now to, to anyone living with it is to not be negative about it. Um, because if you're negative, um, you're going to have a woe is me kind of party and forget about the main priority, which is having good numbers and, and being healthy and staying active. Um, so it's definitely been a lifestyle change and, and has thrown me some challenges that I wasn't expecting. I lived oh, in an 
an entire childhood, an entire youth without it. So to kind of learn this in, entire new way of life um, in my adolescence was, was hard, um, but I am thankful it's something that, it's a disease that's manageable um, and I can live a normal, healthy life. Um, so I, I definitely count my lucky stars that it's, it's only diabetes that I have and not, not a more um, serious kind of diagnosis. I mean, as serious as diabetes is, I don't want to lessen that, um, but it, it could definitely be worse. So I'm, I am thankful that I, I got diagnosed. It's definitely made me more accountable for my health and um, more responsible. I do um, grow up quicker than <laughs> most would uh, with that diagnosis. You have to be so careful and um, so calculated and responsible, obviously, with certain lifestyles life choices that kids in college make you can't really really do that with diabetes yeah no I thank you for talking to me about it I guess like it's it's just uh, I found it interesting because like it's very I guess there you don't see that many hockey players uh, with type 1 diabetes do you know any uh, professional players or college players that have it um I know Max Domi has it um yeah yeah he's he's the only one I think current that has it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be, it, it is kind of cool um, to be in that company, to be one of a few um, mm-hmm. pro athletes with um, type one. Um, and I know, I mean, the community, you, you get to know other people with it. I know there's a, a young man on, I think the Owen sound attack, I, I forget his name, but I'm doing some work with diabetes Canada and, kind of starting to make all these different connections. Um, so it'll be cool moving forward to see if there's others in, in other sports. I don't know of, I mean, in college, there were definitely four or five of us that had type one football player or lacrosse player, a soccer player. So, I mean, that is, it's such a huge deal when you're first diagnosed, you're like, can I still do these things? So to see other people, um, in these roles, I think for, for, kids who are diagnosed is, is pretty cool for them to see um, people like myself and Max Domi that you can be a pro hockey player, a pro athlete while you have diabetes. Like it's not something that can, can limit you in life. And during the pandemic, is it hard to like, I guess, how cautious are you because of the pandemic having that? Because I heard it's kind of like one of those things that makes you more perceptive if you get COVID. Yeah, um, it's definitely one of those pesky pre-existing conditions they talk yeah. about. Um, and I'm obviously definitely very careful. I also live with my parents, so um, to keep them healthy and safe, I'm, I'm extra careful. Um, but at the same time, um, I try not to let it kind of rule my life. I, I take those extra necessary steps to, to be cautious um but at the same time i'm trying to live as normal a life as i can um but definitely it's it's in the back of my mind all mm-hmm. the time kind of to be as careful as i can um yeah now we're now in the non-hockey segment of the podcast we're asking you uh, some non-hockey question now this is a kind of a hockey question it's kind of a random question but how do you prepare for warm-ups like how do you like practice like what you do um like on game days yeah, like every time, like I see you guys like round the ice, do your stretches. Like, is there like a practice before, like where the coach tells you what to do, or do you kind of just get thrown into it? Um, I mean, definitely pregame skates. We kind of take it easy. Um, just kind of feel ourselves, feel good. 
Um, but I don't have any real weird supers to do. I don't eat the same meal, nothing like that. But a lot of girls, I like, I stress them out in the locker room because I'm dressed 60 minutes before we have to step on the ice. So like, they're all still in their like warm up gear, like their street clothes. And I'm in my hockey equipment, sitting on the bench, ready to go. So that definitely <laughs> stresses them out. And it's definitely weird. Um, I don't even know when that started for me, but probably in college and I just, a little superstition, I, I, I got in the habit. So now I have to do it. I have to be ready 60 minutes before. Mm-hmm. Uh, who had the best style on Colgate when you played uh, with the team? Besides yourself, obviously. <laughs> Ah, uh, the best style. I think Shelby Perry had the best, like, on ice swag. She was, she had good style and off the ice too. She's she's a pretty stylish gal. Now, who was the funniest on the team? <laughs> Ellie DiCaprio, hands down. Nice. Oh, she's that made her hilarious. Funny. What's that? What she like do that made her funny? I guess. She just had no filter. Like she, she was just like a class clown. Like she, she was there for the laughs. Um, always there to make some crude joke, something. She just has the best. What music do you like to listen to? That's another non-hockey question I wrote down. Um, I'm a big country fan. So I listen to a lot of country beforehand. I don't need the kind of high tempo kind of scream music um that a lot of other players listen to i could listen to soft country or whatever before a game anything that just i enjoyed so but i I mean girls will put on whatever in the locker room um i never put my headphones on inside the locker room i just sit there with the girls and whatever music they had on i'd listen to when the freshman put on hip-hop how did you do with that because i know a lot of the country fans uh, aren't a big fan of hip-hop like myself yeah i mean i i don't mind i i listen to any kind of music um but i'm sure if there were girls in the room and then country music got put on it would have gotten shut off really quick so i know there's a lot of people who hate country music and that's not a lot of people's favorite to listen to on game days. So I think that the other way around, it would get shut off real quick. Yeah. Uh, if you could have lunch with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? Um, Serena Williams. She is my favorite athlete. I think she's the greatest athlete of all time, male or female. Um, and I think she's just a boss ass bitch. Like she is just awesome. I think she's so cool. And I wish I could be half the athlete that she is. Now back to some hockey questions. I guess like what did what should be done to help grow women's hockey? Because you were talking about how there's like multiple different leagues uh, with, with the PWHPA. Uh, some players go to Europe, like you you did after college, and then obviously the NWHL. I guess like what would what should be done like from a media perspective, from like a fan perspective, and from like a business perspective uh, to help grow women's hockey? Yeah, I mean, I think. Um as much attention, as many eyeballs as we can have on the game is um, what needs to happen. I think the exposure is starting to come. Obviously, it's not on the top networks at, in North America. Um, so I just think getting that exposure is super important. Um, and I think 
I think it's okay to have multiple leagues. I know there's like a push for, for one league. It, it, it would be cool to have like a, a league like the NHL um, for women where the best of the best come together. Um, I think that would be very cool to have one day, but that being said, um, I think it's all right that there's, there's multiple leagues and talents all over the world. Um, Sweden, Finland, Germany, wherever, Canada, U S wherever you look, there's, there's talent. Um, so yeah, I just, I just think girls need to see these leagues and see them as, um, a viable opportunity for a career. Um, obviously the pay's not there yet. Um, so I think it's kind of a catch 22. I, I really don't know what has to happen. I, I don't know how it will happen. I know it will happen. Um, wealthy investors, I don't know. Um, but as soon as girls can get a full paycheck, um, to be a hockey player, I think, um, you'll start to see more women staying in the game. I think right now too many leave college and then call it quits. Even though they're fantastic athletes, fantastic who could profess you because there's no viable option for them. Like there are for men, there's so many leagues where men can make a living and really none for women. Um, so I think more women have to stay in the game, more eyeballs um, on the sport. And then just more money coming in from different places. Now, I guess, like, uh, any advice you would give to any younger players who are listening, like, how to uh, make it to the D1 level? Yeah, I think just be the player um, that you are. Don't let anyone tell you to change your game. Um, I've been told that a million times. I've been told I skate weird, that I need to do this. I'll never be a anything more than a fourth line player. So, I mean, don't let anyone tell you who you are, um, make your mark in the game and, um, stay true to who you are as a player and as a person, don't ever sell out, um, for anyone or anything and just have fun with it. I think that's so big. I think we lose sight of that a lot. Even as a coach myself, we always, we get caught up in winning and we forget that hockey's for fun. And I mean, obviously it's serious and it can take you places, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a game and you want to have fun with it and remember why you started playing to begin with. Was there any shout outs you'd like to give uh, to any of your former teammates, friends, family members, anyone in particular? Um, I guess just the rest of my classmates um, from Colgate, um, Shelby, Sully, um, Fanger, Pink, Annika and Ellie. Um, they're my family forever. So um, I have the best years of my life with those guys. So I guess those are my real only shout outs. And obviously my mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Brianne. It means a lot to me. Uh, thank you for your time as well. It means a lot to me as well. You're one of my favorite players to watch. So I just want to This is awesome. I think media is also a huge thing to grow the women's game and people like you getting our names out there and our stories. I think it's huge. So thank you for having me. I just wanted to say thank you so much to Brianne for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it, and I wish her nothing but the best moving forward with her hockey career. I know she's going to do great things. Uh, thank you, everyone, who listened to this episode. That means a lot to me as well, and I'll see you next time with another great podcast. But until then, take care. And have a great day.
Bye. Start to dry. Even when the sun begins to shine again, taking all the advice there is and none of it has helped. Experience has made me realize that I won't build my life on empty words. Being so damn naive, it only hurts. I'm so tired of. Made me realize I'm so tired of it.